the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell here with you on a Thursday as we are each and every week. You come for them, we've got them, you want them, you need them, we've got these locks. We turn our attention to a, uh, a week 15 where uh, our conference championship games have already been set. Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Northwestern, uh, Oklahoma, Iowa State. There is madness in the Pac-12 trying to decide uh, how that might end up. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got uh, a lot of good angles all across the board. Can't wait to get in to them here with you today. It was a bounce back week. We, nothing overwhelming, but everyone over 500 uh, in last week as a team, we were 18 and 13, now up to 207 and 187 as a syndicate. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you. Four and three week, 50 and 46 on the season. Y'all had the uh, UNITY win with Ohio State minus 23 and a half. You took a lock fight loss, couple lock agreement wins. Uh, highlights, lowlights from the card, Tom. Uh, you know, there wasn't really anything I was too upset about. I mean, like we, we talked about it a little bit on Saturday with that, my under in Kansas state, Texas losing that thing was over in the second quarter. And I always feel like when you get a blowout loss like that, whether it's a spread or a total bet and you get absolutely obliterated, you shouldn't feel bad at all because the people who set the line were also just as strong as you were. So there really wasn't anything I took away from that other than maybe I had a little too much faith in West Virginia, but I put that on Coca more than anybody. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Matt Coca, uh, our stellar All-American producer. Barton, four and two week for you, up to 43 and, 53 and 45 on the season. Uh, highlights, lowlights. A kind of a bad beat on Florida, Tennessee, uh, and trusting the lock, the, uh, the over army on the BYU Coastal over if not for those two things, it was a pretty stellar week going light on the card. So I might keep, keep things kind of compact again this week. We're coming down the host race. How many more weeks do we have? Two after this? Well, yeah, I mean, it's this two week total? and then championship week. Yeah. All right. All right. It's, it's, it's crunch time now, boys. It's crunch time. Get that W. Get that championship. I'm ready. That's right. Eight. He is at, at plus eight on the season. Uh, that is not the lead. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Chip, five and four week. 
I, I think that spray the board has got to be the the mentality from here on out because after that 0-5 week, it, it's really the fault of not having enough picks because 3-8 and eight feels better than 0-5. Like even though it comes out the same in terms of your wins and losses, you got to have something to hang your hat on. I was 5-4, and four, so again, uh, above 500. Uh, really happy about uh, Clemson under coming through. That Clemson defense is good. Really happy about a lock fight win with the Wolfpack. But, you know, the a double whammy loss with Auburn and the under where I let my biases completely influence all of my postgame analysis, just overhyping Texas A&M's win just because I knew how wrong I was. We're, we're going to try to be a little bit more level as we continue to move forward. 50 and 51 on the season. Got to get back over 500. Danny, you are the season leader. 54 and 45 on the year. Uh, that is a plus nine. That is a one game lead on Barton. Five and four for the week. Highlights, lowlights. Uh, low light for me was being so wrong on the BYU Coastal game. I thought that was going to be one of the easiest wins of the year. I did take that game personally and went rather large on that one. So that was a tough pill to swallow. The other thing is I did go pretty heavy on the week with nine picks. I might have to dial it back somewhat too. I, the reason being is I feel like half the games are going to get canceled a lot of times. We do this on Thursday, and we've seen games get canceled before. So I'm like, let me throw a bunch out there, and I've had a couple canceled. And then this week, they all happen to be played out and uh, didn't end up coming out on top there. Well, you know, slightly above 500, but we're, we're dialed in. Home stretch, extra film study. This is where you dig deep, baby. Let's go. All right. Are you guys ready to lock it up? Do it. Go. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's Come locked. get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, so it was a, a plus one week for Tom, Chip, and Danny. That means the honors on the tee box go to Barton uh, with his plus two at four and two. Barton, where do you want to start? Uh, we're going to start before we even get to Saturday. We got, I think this is a Friday night game. Uh, what do we call the Arizona-Arizona State rivalry? Territorial Cup. Ter- territorial Cup. That sounds yeah. right. All right, Territorial Cup. Big Territorial Cup action coming at you here. Um As I look at this game, so this will be Arizona State's third game of the year, dealt Mm -hmm. with some COVID issues um, uh, during the the middle portion. This is the culmination of the Pac-12 schedule right now. Uh, This is the the end of this six-game schedule uh, in the best-case scenario. Uh, Most teams aren't even getting that. Uh, Arizona is down to around 55 players on scholarship, as I understand it. Grant Cannell is probably out, maybe in. If he's in, he's not fully healthy. This is only, again, the third game for Arizona State. And I, I like the I like what we've seen out of Arizona State so far. I know that the record isn't isn't what we would, would want it to be, but they've they've had a chance to win every game that they've played. And so I, I can't say the same thing about Arizona. And so I think, look. It's not as if they're trudging to the finish line of this long, arduous season, but I do think that as we are, you know, as the season's ending for the Pac-12, Arizona State has a lot more to build on for the future and, and optimism to, to tap into than Arizona. So I, I like the 11. Is that, is that what the line I'm getting? Yeah. I like 11 points as a, 
is kind of a fair spot for Arizona State to to flex towards the finish line here. Yeah, Arizona State had the lead in UCLA against UCLA, maybe for even a little bit for a little bit. Yeah. No, they've played well in both their games. They just haven't won. That's yet. it. Their whole season sample size is both their That's games. Crazy, yeah, man. Barton was like, mm-hmm. they've had a chance to win every game that they've played, all two of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't, I don't hate it. Um, Tom, Danny, you wanna anything? Anything else on? Let's see. I think that I've got one. No, no, it's a some some money line. I got one from Friday night. Okay. Nobody wants anything uh, from Pitt, Georgia Tech. The Pitt Georgia Tech Thursday night showdown that is going to have all of our attention. Okay, <laughs> go on. All right, I am going to tackle the uh, uh, Nevada San Jose State game. Uh, I've talked a lot of, I've seen a lot of these games. I've been doing TV for CBS Sports Network. I will be on halftime and post game coverage of the 10 p.m. kickoff. So if you see a little sleepy, dreary eyed Danny, that's what it'll be well past my bedtime. Uh, but digging into this game, I do think – so both teams are – this is a great game, by the way. Great matchup in the Mountain West. I was doing some research on San Jose State. They have been away from their families since July 27th. They have not been able to see their families. No one's allowed to their games. They weren't allowed to go home for Thanksgiving. They've been on the road. They had to go to Hawaii where they got a, uh, a win last weekend. Uh, there's something special about this team. I do feel like Brent Brennan, the coach out there, has this kind of infused this new life into this team. They're coming off a really successful rushing performance. The only thing that makes me nervous is Nick Starkle has been incredibly up and down, as he has been throughout his entire career, uh, this being his third school. But they are able to run the football, establish the line of scrimmage. I like Nevada too, but I think San Jose State – playing this game in Las Vegas, in Nevada. I think it's kind of an us against the world. It just feels like there's something special as opposed to the teams that are grinding to a halt and they're just kind of going through the motions. I feel like San Jose State's building something special. You're seeing things they haven't done since 1939, since they started off 5-0. and um, I trust them more in this spot because of their defense than I do uh, Nevada. So I'm going to take San Jose State laying three. Get you two and a half. Even better. Yeah, I don't think most people realize that like San Jose State's in first place in the Mountain West. Yeah. <laughs> Undefeated, right? Yeah. Yep. They're only allowing 17 points per game. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm tempted to take the under, but I'm just going to take uh, San Jose State. What's that under at right now? 58 and a half. Ooh, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit high considering the way we saw that Nevada-San Diego State game play out also earlier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Moving on to Saturday. Moving on to Saturday. Okay. Moving Saturday. Uh, Barton and I had a chance to talk about this game on CBS Sports HQ. I don't know if you're going to plan to join me with the locks as well, Barton, but uh, I made a vow years ago that after the details of Wakey Leaks were revealed, I would always take Wake Forest against the spread against Louisville because... <laughs> How bad is the blood feud that a radio broadcast member from your school is giving sensitive game information to the opposing coaching staff such that Wake's offense is out there running plays that it's never put on tape and Louisville magically has all the right perfect answers for it defensively. Dave Clawson was irate. Wake Forest was irate. They went to all these schools and they said, hey, we need to let you know uh, your coaching staff, uh, you know, they conspired 
Richard with a member of our radio broadcast, a Benedict Arnold within our own house, uh, to try and cheat. And these other schools said, and, so, and boy, Clawson has not let it go. Now, Scott Satterfield was not a part of conspiring against Wake Forest uh, quite the way his predecessor was, but he inserted himself right into the middle of this hatred with a 62 to 59 win in last year's game, his first meeting in the Wakey League's rivalry. Kenneth Walker III, a key piece of this Wake Forest offense, has opted out. That is concerning, but not as concerning as Tutu Atwell opting out and not as concerning as Javian Hawkins opting out. So give me Wake Forest, best number I can get against Louisville. One and a half. Okay. Let the children sing. Thank you, children. I agree. I, uh, I, I'm going to uh, double down on all the things you said, Chip. Well articulated. I agree. And now let's also throw in Scott this Sat- very awkward situation <laughs> where Scott Satterfield is drawing the ire of the Louisville fan base for interviewing at South Carolina, for saying he wasn't interested, for, for, for renewing his uh, commitment to, South, to Louisville only to interview with South Carolina. Um, it's, it's, I can't help but notice this like barrage of current and former players coming to Scott Satterfield's defense on Twitter, followed by a lot of retweets by current Louisville staff members. It's felt a little orchestrated. It's felt a little bit like there is perhaps just a bit of an awkward vibe in that building that they're trying to correct any way they can. So look, this is, that's, that's no, that's no like analytical reason for this win. I I just think that it's a, it's an added distraction in a year of distractions and in a year of distractions, you just bet with bet on steady as she goes, Dave mm-hmm. and steady as she goes, Dave is going to win this one. Let Latifah sing. <laughs> I mean, how can anybody in their right mind want to bet on Louisville right now? <laughs> like, like what you guys just want to the Satterfield stuff, the, you know, Tutu Atwell opting out, JV and Hawkins already opting out. The fact that this is a three and seven team whose three wins came against Western Kentucky in the opener, which if you might remember, you go back and look at the box score. Didn't play well. Didn't play well at all in that win. They just played Western Kentucky. So they won. They beat a Florida State team that has been trying to end its season for a month now and has not been interested to play. <laughs> and they beat a Syracuse team that was dead before the season started. So those are the three teams Louisville has beat. Then you add all that drama on top of it, and they're favored against a Wake Forest team that is better than they are? Yeah, no, give me the Deacons. Oh, I want to go in on it so bad. I do do it if you believe. I I know. Well, there's a part of me that says it's that whole what do the odds makers know? Like how isn't Wake Forest favored by three? So that's the only, and I don't want to just jump in to jump in and keep your guys, keep it intact. Now they've been sidelines. Like you, if there could yeah. be some person, we could be dealing with some thin numbers. The last time Wake played was that high scoring shootout against UNC. They had to go on a little bit of pause. They've had some games rescheduled. Like they've, 
there there is absolutely some reason to believe, but I I still think Wake's twos are going to be able to win this game. So I, I'll I, dodge it. I'll stay away. Okay. Uh, let's go. Well, then, Danny, where do you want to go? All right. Let's go to um, Georgia versus Missouri. Uh, so Georgia, who was crushing it for me early in the season with their unders. Do you guys remember some of the stats? I was giving us like 10 out of 11 unders was winning, like leading the country and unders that were hitting their games. Well, my, how times have changed. So Georgia has gone over their total in five of their last six games. The only under was the 14, three win against Kentucky. The five overs averaged 63.6 points per game. Uh, we saw Missouri shoot out last week versus Arkansas, scored 50 points. Uh, we've got the uh, the mad genius, Eli Drink, uh, Drinkwitz. Alpha nerd. As, uh, alpha nerd uh, is going to be in cooking up some schemes to take advantage of a Georgia defense, which, you know, there's different teams that come, you know, roaring to the end of the season. Like, hey, we've had this great year. By the way, Eli Drinkwitz might be the SEC coach of the year, stealing that from Sam Pittman. Uh, at five and three, entering the top twenty-five, I don't know where Georgia is, like mentally. I don't. I don't know. I mean, they've they've won games and they've been fine, but I trust Missouri in this spot to score a lot of points, and I also think Georgia will score a lot of points. I'm going to follow those trends as of late and take the over in this matchup. Is fifty-three and a half. Fifty-three. I can't get fifty-three. Son of a. All right. Let me look. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let me what see sportsbetting.com have it at? <laughs> no, I've got it at 53 and, and a half. Sportsbetting.com has it at 52 and a half with like a minus 195 <laughs> juice. I am also going to take Missouri and the 13 and a half. A little DK two for one special. Don't forget, senior days are here. Last time out, you know, for a lot of these players who aren't going to come back for the extra year of eligibility. Uh, so I'm going to take Mizzou. With the points. Morning games, morning kicks are sleepy in Columbia. But who are they sleepy for? The big dogs, the, the That's guys what I'm who are saying. Used to playing in front of the 80,000 between the hedges. That's, That's what I'm saying. Be careful, rolling, you know, wiping the sleep out of your eyes on an 11 a.m. kick in Columbia. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Fight. Oh, Ooh, wait, 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 wait. Whoa. 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 Are you locking it up or are you just agreeing with him? No, I am locking up Missouri. Plus 13 and a half. I am locking up Georgia minus 13. Fight, 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 fight. Okay. I'll allow you to go first. I think that uh, this is too many points for a game where the stakes seem so much higher for the alpha nerd in a Missouri team that is playing with a little bit of momentum. I do think the early kick could lead to lower scoring, but... More than anything, like I guess if Missouri covers, it means that they've scored and the game's gotten a little bit loose. But I just I don't think that we are going to get Georgia's best performance. I understand that even Georgia could sleepwalk through the first half, wake up at halftime, and be able to cover this spread. Like that is absolutely an outcome that I've entertained. But I I'll take uh I'll take Missouri to to make this game a little bit nerve wracking for uh for all, all of my fellow, I guess, I guess this is it. This is my final heel turn. I'm out. I'm out. I was the last, I was the last one hanging on 
for our dogs. Then they just became my dogs. And now I'm saddling up with the alpha nerd in week 14 to cover a two score spread against Georgia on the road. Give me Missouri. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you guys have said as far as your reasoning is concerned. I just don't think Missouri is that good. I mean, it's, it's at number 25 in the polls. And I feel like that's the reason Iowa state got put up ahead of Georgia and Cincinnati was just so nobody would wonder why Missouri was suddenly in the polls because we're not sure what it did, but it, it's won three games in a row, but it's three wins have come against a South Carolina team that days before had just fired Will Muschamp. It's come against a Vanderbilt team that days before had just fired Derek Mason. And it came against Arkansas, who has is three and six. And Missouri kind of needed a semi-miracle to win that game after allowing Arkansas to take the lead in the final seconds. They were able to drive down the field and get the game-winning field goal. So it's not like the Tigers are playing exceptionally well. They've played two teams who just fired their coach and they got into a kind of crazy shootout against a three and six Arkansas team, which I love, but still it's a three and six Arkansas team. Georgia, meanwhile, it's struggled in games against Florida and Alabama, no doubt, but it's been fine against everybody else. Like it had a problem a little bit against Mississippi state defensively, but I'm not worried about Georgia's defense. I think that overall, we're still talking about one of the top two defenses at worst in the country. I know at SP plus they're ranked second, depending on what other metrics you want to look at their first or second. And it's also a team that's offense since making the move to JT Daniels has taken a significant step forward. So I look at this matchup and I don't think they're going to blow Missouri out, but I think they're going to win like 31 to 17 and that's going to give me a cover. So I'm, I'm taking Georgia minus the points. I, I am playing this like a bowl game. I'll admit I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally making the, taking this from a bowl game. The whole season has been like that. The whole season has been trying to figure out who wants to be there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Barton, where do you want to go? I'm not, by the way, I'm not, I'm obviously not playing that game, but I would lean towards the side of uh, Danny and Chip on that one. Well, we all know what happens when lock unities go against Tom. True. (laughs) That is true. Take that for what it's worth. All right. I'm going to go back to my favorite conference, the Pac-12, uh, where, you know, this, this, this mini season is winding down. Uh, we learned a lot in this mini season. Um, we have learned that Utah is not a Pac-12 title contender, but the more things change, the more things stay the same. Utah can still play a little bit of defense. They can still stop the run. Colorado, sweetheart story, Jarek Broussard's fantastic season so far running the football. They're going to need to get him going to get the pass game going as well. Colorado, as fun as this run has been, it's it's hard to go a full six-game Pac-12 slate and stay undefeated. That's a hard task. Someone's going to bite you eventually. I think Utah, as a two-point underdog here, is ready to knock them off here. I like the I like the Utes. I like them because of their defense. I like them because they played a lot of young guys early in the season, including a, a new transfer quarterback and Jake Bentley. They'll continue to get better as the season progresses, and the season isn't long enough for them to hit the the freshman wall midway through. So I like Utah here to 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 ruin the Cinderella story, Colorado. I can get you two and a half. 
All right. Yeah, I was I was considering this play too. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go against my buffs. Yeah, that's same thing. Smart. I, it's it's the sharp play. I mean, you fade the undefeated team. You fade the team that's just you know kind of been playing above its head, and you take a Utah team. Was it? Uh, what was the conversation we had? We said it's it's the better program versus the better season. Colorado's had a better season, but Utah's been a better program. So you might mm-hmm. be catching some value there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not not going to stand in your way here in this uh, this this sacred arena of the locks, but uh, but yeah, I'll, I'm, I hope the buffs keep it going. We'll see. Tom, where do you want to go? Yeah, I I need to get this one out in a hurry. Uh, Army and Navy are playing this week, boys, <laughs> and the total has been dropping, and it, I want to get it in now. I'm taking the <laughs> under 38 in Army Navy, and I think you all know why. For the sake of the speed, refresh our memory. It needs no explanation. Since 2005, <laughs> when service academies have gotten together, the under has gone 36, 9, and 1. This is because we're dealing with two option offenses. Option offenses run the ball, the clock never stops. They put together nine, 10 play, 75 yard, 18 minute drives sometimes. Limited possessions, low scoring games. The total in this one is at 38 right now, which I understand seems low, but only once in the last 10 years, or not that, but the last time that this game went over 38 points was in 2013 when Navy won 34 to 7. The last few years have all been under that. Most games have been under 38. It used to be really easy in that they would open the totals in the 40s, sometimes even the low 50s, and they'd get bet down and they'd still finish in the 30s. They're kind of catching on by bringing the number down. It's just they haven't caught up enough. So get this while you can before it gets to about 37. Once it gets to 37, I start getting a little worried about it. Best of luck, my friend. It's uh. I'm- I'm alone. Yeah. I kind of want to get in on it. I kind of want to get in on it, but I like the way you're thinking and you're probably going to be right. I can't believe it's a service Academy under and you guys are sitting there scared. (laughs) Well, there's just a, there's a lot more. uh, I mean, I feel like we've come together for uh, army Navy week and we go in uh, and, and we hold a locks episode anyway. Right. Like we've come yeah. together on a Thursday and everyone's just got like three picks and he's like, Oh yeah, we'll take, I'll take the over. I'll take the under. Maybe I'll take army. Maybe I'll take Navy. I, I just, if my lean here is army, I think army wins this game, but I am uh, a little bit concerned that army might score too many points as it wins this game. Because if army, sco- if army scores 24 points, we got problems. Yeah. But Navy's defense has been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks. Producer Coca is prodding me in the in the Zoom chat right now to take the over for the content. Coca, if you think that I lack that much integrity, that I'm just going to dive in on this thing and take an over just purely for the content. You're right. You got another. <laughs> I'm very tempted to just do it. Very tempted. But, yeah, but you I don't, just, you're not dumb enough to fight a service academy under. I haven't watched an Army or Navy game this year since we saw Navy get absolutely mopped by BYU in like the second game of the season. Um, And since I watched Army just mop MTSU. Um, So I just don't know if I I haven't done the research on this one to feel confident in the over. I'm sorry, Coca. No content yet. I'll... 
I'm going to get in on the under. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to join you. you. I'm looking at Navy. They've only scored 13 points in their last two games combined. Um, Army's playing their fourth quarterback. Like, they're not exactly killing it. Navy's 46th in the country in rushing, which is – they're usually top five. It's usually always them. They're struggling. Uh, I'm going to take the under, and I'm actually also going to hop on Army, laying the six and a half. Don't. I hate doing it. I actually talked to Ken Niamatololo this morning. Great dude, but he was very open. He's like, I made a lot of mistakes this year. He's like, I tried to protect my players too much. There was just a very much a defeated, uh, and it's not, and I trust me, they'll fight. It's a rivalry game, but it's been a rough, rough season. Uh, plus, they're on a four game losing streak in which they were one and three against the spread, more importantly. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? I mean, sometimes we just got to hit the reset button. We just need a minute. Everything's so go, 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 nonstop hustle all the time. Well, there is one beer out there that is literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what game you're watching, Saturdays are your time to chill. You know, maybe your team's not even playing this week. Maybe your team's already wrapped up the regular season, but Coors Light is there for you because it is the official beer of watching college football just to drink beer. So crack a Coors Light, sit down on the couch, flip through the channels, and find yourself a game. Uh, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is made to chill, and it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is perfect for a moment to unwind. You know, the end of the long day, we're trying to wrap up all of our live blogs. We're trying to get ready for the instant reaction. Uh, Coors Light is the great opportunity to just take a minute, take a breather, and chill. So Coors Light is the one that we choose when we need to unwind. When you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door. You don't even have to leave. Don't leave. Just go to get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There might be Coors in here. You don't know. You don't know. Could be. I mean, and you can watch this on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover three, where there may or may not be Coors Light uh, in, uh, in Tom's Cup. Who's to say? Coming up on the other side, we look around the country and we continue to offer our week 15 locks next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, I've got a... Danny, I've got a two-for-one special. Let's do it. What you got? I'm going to be going down to Miami Gardens, to Hard Rock Stadium, where we might have an Orange Bowl bid on the line. You know, because if, 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 we'll see, but if Clemson and Notre Dame both make it into the college football playoff, then whoever's next in line gets to go to the Orange Bowl. And that would be, uh, that would be huge for North Carolina. That would be, you know, a, a good sign. I think that, you know, being in the New Year's Six is something that means more to Manny Diaz than getting to go play a home game in the Orange Bowl. But, I mean, they did it before. You know, they did it back in 2017 against Wisconsin. So it's it's certainly in the cards. But as I look at this matchup, I consider the fact that North Carolina has not had a top 10 win since 2004. 
It was against Miami in 2004, but North Carolina has not had a top 10 win since 2004. I'm going to be taking Miami minus the three, but I do think that Sam Howell and that North Carolina offense is going to be able to find the end zone. I think this one is a really fun game. I think it ends up taking up a little bit of the, the shootout mentality, and ultimately it's the, the play of someone like Jalen Phillips, so that Miami defensive front who's able to sort of flip the game, steal a possession, come up with something. We might see the turnover chain in the fourth quarter. So my two-for-one special is taking Derek King uh, in Miami minus three, but then taking Derek King plus Sam Howell, two of only three players that uh, are lighting it up in the ACC with more than 20 uh, touchdowns on the season and more than 300 yards of total offense per game, the third being Trevor Lawrence. So I'm taking Sam Howell plus Derek King for the Miami UNC over. I know it's a big whopping number, but then I'll also take Miami minus three to win in that shootout. I can get you two and a half. Okay, let's do it. You guys read that bottom pick there? What's it say? Miami minus Miami three. Minus three in the over. <laughs> on both. Lock agreement on both. Although the last time we did this lock agreement on both, I believe it was, was Auburn? Uh, the Notre Dame oh. UNC and the oh. Iowa State Texas Friday after Thanksgiving. And we lost both of those. We were in lock agreement, but I do feel pretty good about this one. Um, remember also last year, UNC beat Miami. Uh, 28-25, a little bit of a revenge game coming in this year. North Carolina's lost 12 straight against AP top 10 opponents. Um, their last win, of course, was in 2004, uh, which was against Miami, but that's a long time ago. North Carolina's running a little bit of a rough patch against the spread. They're 0-3 in their last three games. Um, Miami's out of five-game win streak. We know about their offense. They're coming back home for the first time since October 24th. Nice weather. I think it, it, the weather's going to be, um, you know, it's going to play to the offense of both of these teams. I think Sam Howell will, I think this will be closer to the game we thought we were going to get with UNC um, versus Notre Dame. I think this one will actually be a higher scoring game in the second half because I don't think Miami's defense is quite as good as Notre Dame. So I like the over as well. Lock fight. <laughs> fight. Wow. fight. On which one? Fight. Fight. So combative. Fight. I'm taking North Carolina plus three. Sick. I just, it's, it's not even, there's no real analytical reason for it. There's nothing. It's, it's kind of a narrative reason for me. It's Miami beats Duke 48 to nothing last week and nobody cared. The ACC doesn't care. The college football playoff doesn't care. Nobody cares about Miami. Miami's not going to care about Miami. And I also just feel like, Miami has a chance to finish what nine and one, ten and one. Mm-hmm. What's their record? Right? Yeah. Well, they, and they're, if they play Georgia Tech on December nineteenth, win that game and beat North Carolina, they're ten and one. I just feel like this is the game Miami loses. Like they they got killed by Clemson, and they've beaten up on mostly bad teams since then. I don't think North Carolina is a bad team. Now, I do think that Miami can win this game and North Carolina can still cover the spread. I think it's going to be a closer high scoring game that the hurricanes are fully capable of winning. I just have a gut feeling that North Carolina is going to win this game. So I'm taking the three points with the Tar Heels. I understand where you're coming from there, Tom. I think it's a, it's this sort of baked in uh, expectation of disappointment out of Miami that we, we've even talked about going into the season and they flirted with it a couple of times. 
Um, but I, I get the idea was, okay, all right, well now here's the spot. This is the spot where they finally let us down. Um, but I think one of the initial things you said in there makes me feel a little bit more optimistic with Miami. You're like, you know what? ACC doesn't care about Miami. The playoff committee doesn't care about Miami. No one cares about Miami. No one's talking about Miami. This team whose only loss is to the number three team in the country. And I feel like that's a really strong opportunity for Manny Diaz to be like, hey, I mean, this is a fantastic motivation spot. Um, So I actually don't. I don't care to play this because of all the things both you all have said, um, but uh, it, it, it's going to be an interesting one. Tom, my heart is ready for battle, but just above my heart is my old Dean Dome lower level sweater, you know, because you got to dress up nice when you got the good seats at the Carolina basketball game. And that <laughs> Dean Dome lower level sweater thinks that North Carolina plus three could be really, really fun. Got my emotional hedge going. It's all good. Uh, all right. Barton, where do you want to go? Um, so I think I'm going to go to my favorite little conference in all the lands. The Pac-12? Having their, their cute little season out there in the, in the West, the Pac-12. Um, I'm going to go to the game between Pac-12 North rivals, Washington and Oregon. And... I, I got to be honest with you. I, I just, throughout this cute little Pac-12 season we've had, I have, I've had the inclination that Washington and Oregon are fairly similar teams in terms of just how good they are. Um, and, and here this game pops up and the line comes up and it's Oregon favored by six. Um, I don't know what I'm missing here. I think Oregon's good. But I think Washington is pretty good, too. And I think that if you're going to give me six points in a game that Washington is perfectly capable of winning, I just don't think Oregon is – I mean, again, I think Oregon's good. But what have they shown us this season in any any game that makes me believe that this is some sort of, you know, top-tier, even Pac-12 team? I just think it's one of – the solid teams in the conference. And so, which is the same thing I think about Washington, which is frankly the same thing I think about anybody in that conference that, that is uh, above the sort of the basement level. They're, they're all pretty similar. So I just see a little value here, getting six points for a Washington team that is perfectly capable of, uh, of, of running the football against a, an Oregon defense that hadn't been that great this year. Um, understandably, they lost a lot of guys to opt-outs and other things. So give me the, give me the Huskies. Yeah. I, I thought about this one too. I'm a little scared though. I just, I don't trust Washington's offense right now. It makes it difficult for me. I, I do think that the spread is a little big, but I don't know. I just, I, I can't pull the trigger on it. Are you looking for a leg up on your bookmaker? Well, we've got you covered with our friends on the early edge podcast powered by Sportsline. Every single day, you can join Jonathan Coachman and an expert crew of Sportsline handicappers, Tom Fernelli included, uh, to break down the biggest games of the day. Every episode is 10 minutes or shorter, and it is in your feed by 11 a.m. If there's a sharp side to the action, you'll be armed with it. So go check out the Early Edge podcast. Subscribe to it wherever podcasts are found. 
I want the world to know that during a test run on what day is today, Thursday, on Wednesday, when the, the show that wasn't released, I picked both Atalanta plus 200 and Real Madrid minus 130 and both won. So I want credit for that, damn it. Atalanta getting that last goal in in what, the 85th minute? Hell yeah. <laughs> getting that two to one money, baby. I'm, I'm so new to soccer that I'm just always expecting Atalanta, Atalanta to blow a lead. Like, like I just like this. I haven't yet gotten all the way over to uh, to understanding that just because it looks like Atlanta doesn't mean you can take all the Atlanta sports juju and translate it to the Italian squad, but or the Italian side, I should say. All right, I will take us to. Oftentimes, we look at Oklahoma home overs. They've been very very profitable under Lincoln Riley, but. This game against West Virginia is not in Norman in Gaylord Memorial Stadium. No, this is going to be uh, on the road for Oklahoma. And that's where I think that uh, two things is, is what I'm really asking for. Number one, I'm asking for West Virginia's defense to have a little bit of a, a bounce back performance or at least a better game uh, than it had against Iowa State. That that might be a tall, that might be a tough task, but 56 and a half is our number. We're a hook over the key number. And I've been very impressed with the way that Oklahoma's defense has really come on. In fact, Oklahoma needed to lean on its defense uh, to get that win against Baylor. Dave Aranda basically took his, uh, took his game plan out from the peach bowl. And he was like, Oh, I, I know how to do this right now. I thought that they were, they were dialed in to what the Sooners were doing offensively. I think that West Virginia's defense is better than Baylor's defense. And so if they're going to be able to present some problems for Spencer Rattler in that group as well, maybe we don't see uh, Oklahoma go out there and put 40 on the board. You know, thinking maybe Oklahoma to lay the points, but more than anything, when all Oklahoma needs is a win and to remain healthy and it's on to the Big 12 championship, I'm going to take Oklahoma, West Virginia under 56 and a half. I salute you. For the sweat that I'm about to endure? Yes. 14 nothing at the end of two possessions, and I'm just... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's up? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in this game. I'm going to take, I'm gonna take the, uh, the OU side. Uh, I think, what, what is it, 14? I can get you 13 and a half. Oh, beautiful. All right, give me 13 and a half, and I just think Oklahoma... Um, I don't think too, I know they're playing two good defenses in a row. I don't think they have two bad offensive performances in a row. And I think you can trust the Oklahoma defense right now. I really do I think that's a pretty legitimate unit. Uh, so just a better team coming down the home stretch need style points. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go Sooners big. Lock it up. Uh, the, in this matchup, Oklahoma's 5-0-1 against the spread in the last six meetings. Uh, the over has hit in six straight, um, so I don't love that one. But um, I feel like Oklahoma, that was their kind of letdown game. They need some momentum coming back uh, after that game last week where it was just a little bit less than impressive. It's got to be irritating them that they're sitting there at 11 uh, in the rankings, so I'm expecting them. Plus, I was West Virginia's garbage, Coca. Sorry about it. Oklahoma's going to roll. Tag. Goodness gracious. Shots fired across the bow. Tom, you want to get in? Were you- uh, yeah, I'm going to go to a local rivalry that 
I cannot bet on legally within the borders of my state. I am taking Illinois plus 14 and a half at Northwestern because, gentlemen, I ask you, what have you seen from the Northwestern offense this year that makes you want to trust it as more than a two-touchdown favorite against anybody? And if you look at Illinois' offensive statistics for the season, they're not great. They're typically in the bottom third of the country in most of the stats that I look at for when it comes to handicapping games. But it's important to remember that a lot of that is due to the fact that for a few games they had to start their third and fourth string quarterback. In games in which they've had Brandon Peters or backup Isaiah Williams, their offense has actually been pretty not great, but pretty average, pretty competent, better than Northwestern's has been. So... I, I think Northwestern is going to win this game. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I think the total is a little too low for me to really want to attack the under on it. I just think this is going to be kind of like an ugly 20 to 10 kind of game. And that keeps Illinois within the spread. So I'm going to take the Illini in the 14 and a half points. Makes sense. Ooh. It would be hilarious if Illinois wins uh-huh. this game. Like if Illinois, Illinois can win this game. Michigan State can beat Northwestern. Illinois can beat Northwestern. I'm just taking the points. And you could have even stripped this, uh, stripped the names off. And I see uh, double-digit dog low total. Like that to me is almost always value. Your your over-under is 40, 40 and a half, 41. And you've got a two-touchdown dog. I mean, in terms of implied score, if you get 10 points, you might you might be starting to sit real pretty. So uh, as a, a matter of just sort of looking at the numbers, you know, picking the numbers, not necessarily picking the sides, I like it because of the double-digit dog low total. But then even when I look at these two teams, I think about how Illinois, its profile has not been representative of the best football that it can play. Northwestern's already got its spot in the Big Ten Championship locked up. It, it would be hilarious if Illinois won, but... I feel better about taking uh, the fighting Illini plus the points. I think you guys are on the right side of this. A little too ugly of a game for me to wade in, but 43 degrees. You know, that means it's, it ain't going to snow, but it's going to be real cold and wet. It's game of the week, boys. Game of the week. Is now this, that Ohio State, Michigan's been canceled. This is the biggest rivalry. Going. <laughs> uh, all right. I've got one two, three, four. I've got two to three, maybe as many as four left. I have two left. Okay. I've got, uh, I've got two left. I will, uh, let's go with Baylor plus five and a half against Oklahoma state. This is another, uh, bowl game style play where I, I got first year head coach late in the season, had a pretty, you know, inspiring performance against Oklahoma. And it was always going to be tough for this Bears team and this Bears coaching staff facing Oklahoma and Oklahoma State right here at the end of the year, the way the schedule got shuffled around. But I, I think that Oklahoma State, I went against them on the bowl game play against TCU and it paid off. And now I'm going to jump out. I'm going to jump right back. I'm going to go back to the well. And that is something that we've talked about. You can... You know, you can get some bad water going back to the well, but I, I think it's still fresh and I think it's still good to be uh, on a fade Oklahoma State play. And then again, the second level to this is 
first-year coach late in the season. We've seen some positive momentum. Uh, have not seen Oklahoma State's offense be good enough to think that they can blow them out. And if it's low scoring, then it's a game that Baylor could potentially even win. So low scoring game, five and a half points, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah five and a half points. Uh, give me Dave Aranda and the Bears. I don't hate fading Oklahoma State at this point. I've lost. I've, 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 I mean, I'm, I've lost my fate. I, like the nice thing about the Oklahoma State thing is I had a little bit of, uh, I had a, a nice little run early in the season where I got to kind of take credit for calling Oklahoma State. And now no one really cares that they got like what three losses or something. Yeah. Like I still got the mileage out of that in the front end and the back end just doesn't really matter anymore. They beat but, Iowa uh, so State. They beat the yeah. highest ranked Big 12 team in the college football playoff rankings here at the end of the at the beginning of December. Absolutely. But uh yeah, yeah now that's we've we've fallen far from where the Cowboys had hoped to be. So bowl game play, give me the Bears. Who's up? Um I'm going to go to another rivalry game this weekend. This is the Commonwealth Cup. Not That's what I got confused with earlier. I'm looking at Virginia at Virginia Tech, and I see a total. It's a little too high, I think, for this matchup. Uh, both of these teams like to run the ball. And if you look at the numbers overall on the season, Virginia has only run the ball 46.8% of the time. But if you change that to you know, cause they've been trailing. If you change it to scenarios in which games are tied or they are winning, they've run the ball 56.2% of the time, which gives you an idea of what they want to be doing when they have their own, you know, when they can dictate the style of play. And obviously we know Virginia tech just lives to run the football. They're one of the best rushing teams in the country. And I think that it's not all that dissimilar toward to an army Navy game. It's not the same. Cause I don't think, you know, it's, it's, Obviously not to say it. I, I We're going to see the clock running a lot. We're going to see limited possessions. And if we just look at the history between these two, like last year's game had 69 points, which was nice. It was great for them. But overall, these have not really been high scoring affairs over the last decade. This game has had an average of 42.8 points scored per game. Now, granted, both offenses have, or particularly Virginia has improved quite a bit in the last few years, but even in those improvements, it's not like this has become the typical 42 to 41 kind of shootout game that you might see with a total like this. So right now, I think the best number I can get is at 62, but let me see if that's 62 and a half should be out there. Yeah. 62. Oh, I see a 63 and a half. Uh Oh, key number boys. <laughs> key number. Let's go uh, under 63 and a half Virginia at Virginia tech. That's too many touchdowns. Too many touchdowns for the Commonwealth Cup. It's just, uh, I I look at this game and I was flipping on both sides of this because on one side, it is a gut check game for Justin Fuente and this Virginia Tech team. You know, they gave up a decade-long winning streak to Virginia last year, and that game was with the ACC Coastal hanging in the balance. It was the breakthrough moment for Bronco Mendenhall in this program to win the division title, to snap the 10-year losing streak to Virginia Tech, and to do it on your home field. Man, it was just triumphant. Bryce Perkins, team on his back. Well, now we got Brennan, Taysom Hill, Armstrong out here, 
fully settled in, had some health issues, and now he's just like the perfect Bronco Mendenhall quarterback. So I kind of want Virginia, I want to take Virginia to win it again. That's my lean. But if Virginia wins this game, they do it really by limiting Virginia Tech offensively, and they do it in a game that's going to be a little bit lower scoring. So I am also on the under 62 and a half. I lean Virginia. I think I even took Virginia Tech in an ACC picks column earlier in the week. Uh, That's how flip-floppy I've been on this because I think the motivation might be for Virginia Tech. Revenge game, home game. Justin Fuente, you lose this game, it's going to be trouble ahead. Backs against the wall moment. But I don't know. Rivalry game under two. So uh, I think I lean Virginia. think it gets played at more of a Virginia style and pace. And uh, and that's going to be less than nine touchdowns on the board. So give me the Virginia, Virginia Tech under. All right. I'll take us um, out to that quaint little season going on out west in the Pac-12. Get, what the grinding on to Pac-12 <laughs> tape, man. <laughs> this, this is, you know, we gotta, gotta make the most of it. You yep. know, this thing's going to be gone in a flash and um, it is rivalry week, as you guys mentioned, and the, the Trojans are playing the Bruins and the line is two and a half, three points. And I gotta say, I don't quite get it. Uh, I think USC should be favored by more than this. And UCLA, look, they've, they're better this year. They're making strides. The bamboo is growing. The, 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 uh, the meal plan and the training table is starting to take hold. Transformations of these bodies are taking place. But I still think USC is a better team. And... I know USC looked pretty underwhelming the first two games of the year, but in this grind of a Pac-12 season, there's a first half of the season, there's a second half of the season. The second half of the season, USC has turned the corner. They have looked much better of late. They are uh, they, they are explosive. They are athletic. They have more veteran playmakers than UCLA does. I am tempted to either stay away or even just go like, counterintuitive UCLA, but no, I'm not going to overthink this thing. USC should be favored by more points. I'm taking the siren song of the Trojans. The second half of a grinding season. (laughs) (laughs) Fight, 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 fight. Million dollar meal table comes up big. Bruins might even get it done on the field. Can I get a three? Is there a three out there? Uh, there probably no. is. I, oh, is oh, yeah, no, wait, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There is one three, yes. Okay. I'll take Bruins plus three. USC, ha- you're, you are correct, and we've got small sample size. In the same way that you said Arizona State's been in every game it's been in, and it's only played two games, like USC has some results where it felt like it has not looked good. I'm not going to say it was lucky to win, but it has not performed as well as it could have or should have in that game. And that has reversed a little bit. But UCLA has played much better recently, including, you know, it's got a winning record, but you go back and you look, and you're like, man, that, that Oregon game could have broken its way. You know, there's there have been spots all along the way where we can track 
uh, how UCLA has turned things around in this very, very, very short season. And I think that uh, a win here against the rival, that would be a, that, that'd be a big thing for Chip Kelly and this Bruins staff and this Bruins program. So I, I think it's a really fun game. Ultimately, I want to be dialed in on this game. I want to hold a ticket. I want to hold a lock fight. I want to have a side to be able to pull up to this game because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I think that UCLA can win it outright. So if I got about three points of wiggle room, let's go Bruins. Good luck to both of you. <laughs> yeah. And Thank we made you. all this big deal about how USC and Colorado are both undefeated going into like this last uh, weekend. Watch both of them lose. <laughs> it would be very Pac-12 of, yeah. All right, I think I'm out. Unless somebody wants, no, yeah, yeah. That's Unless somebody wants to try to talk me into BYU San Diego State under. No. Yeah, BYU's a little bit too dangerous. I'm going to leave that one on the cutting room I, floor. I don't know. I kind of like that one too. I had it down. Because, like, San Diego State lulls you into a game. I think it's going to be a very gentlemanly back and forth, like almost like an SEC East game. San Diego State tries to run the ball. One of the Bells is hurt, so he's been injured. They haven't been quite the same, but their run defense is really good. Their defense is solid. I think BYU could have a massive – I kind of wanted to take San Diego State in the 16 and a half. Uh, I think BYU has got to be – like, their whole season just was completely obliterated with that loss last week. I think they're going to be flat, but that's another one. All right, Tom, what do you got? All right, this one is based on nothing but principle and disgust. Like that. Earlier this year, Chip, we we had a principle. We kind of abandoned it where we had decided we were going to fade UNLV (laughs) at will because Marcus Arroyo was Justin Herbert's offensive coordinator at Oregon, and we remember what Justin Herbert looked like at Oregon. And then we saw Justin Herbert in the NFL, and it was like, dude, what the hell were they doing with him at Oregon? I can't trust that coach. But we kind of backed off. But then earlier this week, something happened. Uh, UNLV quarterback Max Gilliam sent out a tweet in which he was apologizing for (laughs) a recent appearance on the reality show Below Deck, which I guess is a show about the crew on a like a luxury yachts. Oh, it's awesome. And and I had never heard of it before this, but I've I've talked to people. They do tell me it's a very good show. (laughs) But Max apologized because while appearing on this show, he ate sushi off of a nude model. And to me, as long as that model is a willing participant, that is nothing to apologize for. And the fact that Marcus Arroyo, who kind of kept the handcuffs on Justin Herbert at Oregon, is now trying to keep the handcuffs on Max Gilliam and his ability to eat sushi off of nude models on yachts. I am fading UNLV this weekend. I don't even care what the spread is. I think it's at 20, but I'm taking Hawaii, laying the points. Let's see. I'm going to take the biggest number I can find. Just, okay, just I, arrogant. I can, 20. I can get 20, but I'm taking 20 and a half. Hawaii minus go. 20 and a half just to teach them a lesson to let that kid flourish and live his life. Preach. Yeah. It's a great principle. That's a great way to win money right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I win this bet, I'm going to buy sushi with it. That's a, that's a great business decision. I love Thank it. You. Thank you. All right. Anything else before we get to uh, Moneyline Sprinkles? Yeah, I got, so I got, I got, I got one more. I got one more. You got, you, got, you got more than one or one more, Danny? Go ahead. All right. I, I'm going. This is a little bit of uh, wouldn't it be funny? This is a little bit of um, just 
this is just this this would be the perfect ending here. Um, Mississippi State, Auburn. The line is six and a half. There's all kinds of new. I mean, annual Gus Malzahn hot seat chatter. Okay, uh, happens every year. Gus Malzahn survives it every year. I'm numb to it. Somebody, because we've been talking a lot of hot seat on the podcast, and I think we've gotten a lot of listener feedback either in the reviews or on uh, on the tweets where it's like, yeah, are you guys not going to speculate about Auburn? Like, I don't know, man. I'm numb to just, doing that. Yeah, just continue, c- consider it speculated. Like it is, it is perennially speculated. We, we grant a speculation to <laughs> Gus Malzahn that he may be fired. And so here we are with... Mike Leach, the the midseason purge of the roster has taken place. They've scored, you know, after not scoring a touchdown offensively in basically any game the first half of the season, other than LSU is Bo Pelini's. The they, they scored what they're like three straight games of getting to twenty four. Um, they've gotten a little bit of comfort in that offense. The defense has been great all year long. Uh, Auburn's a little banged up has been and I just kind of wonder if miss if this is the game that Mike Leach can can just sort of book in this season with as another strong performance to give him something to hang on to heading into the offseason and if this is the the the, the um, sort of the next ingredient to make that pot simmer and boil for Gus Malzahn uh I just, I, I, it feels like this could be the spot where Mississippi State makes a play. So I'm going to go uh, plus six and a half, unless I got a better number for the Bulldogs. Nope, nothing. Six and a half. Okay. All right. I got uh, two more. I'll go real quick because I need some wins. Uh, anytime I see Vanderbilt playing, I need to, and I need like some confidence boosting um, uh, from my five and four week last neat week, need to get back on track. Tennessee showed me something late, 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 and they screwed me over with the backdoor cover against Florida last week. Uh, I think they're going to play multiple quarterbacks, but I think they'll still be at least invested in this season. Vanderbilt, I have no idea where they are. The last time we saw them, they're just, it's it's a like no coach. What are they doing? There's a lot up in the air. I think Tennessee will finish them off. I'm actually surprised it was only 15. So I'm going to take Tennessee, lay the 15. And then staying in the SEC, this is going back to the well, and this will be the last time I back them. If not, I will lay the projected 13 and a half that they'll have against Florida, uh, Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, I'm going to take the Gators, uh, laying 22 against LSU. They were, it's been lethargic a couple weeks in a row. They need a final tune up before they do play against Alabama. But this to me is more about LSU, who I think their last gasp effort was against Texas AM when they played them pretty tough. It was a weather game, they were hanging around. Uh, this team has got to be mentally exhausted. It's been a long run for them. The coaches and the university threw in the towel, said, you know what? We're going to self-impose a bowl game. They want the season to be over. The, uh, the players, we've had opt-outs left and right. They're playing so many young players. I don't know if they have one last gasp in the tank. I think that was exhausted uh, against AM. So I'm going to take the Gators laying 22. I, I thought do not I was, support I was go playing away. 15 points with Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was tempted to. I thought I, I was tempted, but I just thought that uh, it, the more I thought, I was like, you know what? That line's probably about right. 
but I do the, the idea of fading Vandy in this spot is just hemorrhaging players right now. Yeah. Um, and, and Tennessee, like they need to feel good about something like they, if they can, if they can put their foot on the, the gas here, they need to. So I get it. And I like the Florida play too. Those are both the plays I was considering. I, I don't want to be watching the fourth quarter of either one of those games. <laughs> self self care Saturday. Like I was the Tennessee Florida yeah. game last week. We yeah. had like a family dinner for my dad's birthday. And I'm like, wait, we can't start yet. I got to finish this game. <laughs> Sorry, pops. Well, don't blow out those candles yet. Exactly. I got to see what, see if Gators can, uh, can, can get this taken care of. All right, let's take it to the money line sprinkles. Uh, currently, the money line sprinkles. Danny remains the leader, 11 and 11 on the sprinkles, 8.45 units of profit. Chip in second place, 7 and 12 on the sprinkles, 1.84 units in profit. Just behind Tom at 6 and 13, 1.4 units of profit. Barton also at 6 and 13, but down 2.81 units. Danny, last week, you threw out uh, a triple threat. LLL. So uh, where are we going? Are we going to just spray it again? I might. Um, I didn't hate any of them. Uh, some of them, they were kind of close to the fourth quarter, but hey, they didn't come through. So you got to keep swinging. You want me to step up to the plate here? Yeah. All right. I will take the Commonwealth Cup. You guys broke it down, uh, taking the under. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Virginia for the outright upset. I think when you look at these two teams and you look at what's happened to Virginia Tech, um, since that lost to Liberty, four straight losses, including two blowouts, one to Pitt, and then the game against Clemson's understandable. I don't know where this team is going to be. I feel like you'll get a better effort from Virginia. I feel like I trust them more in this spot. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, Virginia. And then the other game is out West. Uh, UCLA, uh, you guys forgot to mention the motivator of all motivators getting the deal with Jordan brand. These players, oh. like you talk about all that, all the stuff going on with the million dollar training table, the Olympic training style. Those are starting to kick in. The Jordan brand uh, announcement is going to put them over the top. And I don't trust USC. They've been so up and down. I know they've gotten together the last couple games, but those cardiac kids from early in the season, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, UCLA in that spot. Winning outright jump man bump. God, I forgot about the jump man bump, bump jump man, man, bump man. All right. I, uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to go elsewhere in the pack 12. Let's, let's go Oregon state to get it done on the field. What, uh, what kind of price am I looking at? I think we've got like a five to six thirty. One thirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like Oregon state to be able to, uh, get, a win against Stanford at home in Corvallis. So give me Oregon State and uh, and give me, I, Danny. You made a very compelling case about the heartwarming story for San Jose State. I think there might be some value with Nevada. I mean, at least as a sprinkle here, because we saw Nevada's defense. Like Romeo Dubs was one headline from that Nevada San Diego State game, but I thought Nevada's defense played really, really well. And so I, I think that in the way that San Jose State has been led by its defense, I think Nevada might be able to answer the challenge. So give me also Nevada plus 130 to get the outright win against San Jose State. All right. Well, I'm, I'll go. I got. I'm with you, Danny, on Virginia plus 125 because I I think that they're probably the better team in that matchup. And then my other one is our lock unity. It's not big, but I'm taking Wake Forest plus 105 because I think they're going to win that game more often than not, and I'm getting them at plus value. All right, so I'm like the uh, the coach 
that is the underdog late in the game. Yes, I've got the ball on fourth down and deep in my own territory. I could punt and just try to cover the spread so the loss doesn't look bad, or I can go for the win. I'm way behind. I got to get a little risk out there. So I'm going with three big underdogs. I'm going Illinois, Minnesota, (laughs) and Troy for the bounce back letdown spot against Coastal Carolina. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are on those, but I got to make some moves. I can get you 540 on Illinois, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I can get you 310. Mm-hmm. And Troy is uh, 440. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that is incredible. Those are some because it would be hilarious plays. I love it. All right. Uh, to review, because we know this is part of some of y'all's process. Tom. Illinois plus 14 and a half, Wake Forest plus one and a half, Georgia minus 13, Navy Army under 38. I hope you already got it at this point if you listen to this podcast. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech under 63 and a half, UNC plus three, Hawaii minus 20 and a half. Barton, Arizona State minus 11, Wake Forest plus one and a half, Utah plus two and a half, USC minus two and a half, Oklahoma minus 13 and a half, Washington plus six, Mississippi State plus six and a half. Chip, Illinois plus 14 and a half, Wake Forest plus one and a half, Missouri plus 13 and a half, UCLA plus three, Virginia, Virginia Tech under 63 and a half, Miami minus two and a half, the over in that game, 67 and a half for UNC Miami and Baylor plus five and a half. Discipline Danny. San Jose State plus two and a half. Georgia, Missouri over 53 and a half. Missouri plus 13 and a half. The Navy Army under 38. Oklahoma minus 13 and a half. Miami minus two and a half. The over in UNC Miami 67 and a half. Army, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah. And then Army minus six and a half. Uh, Tennessee minus 15. Florida minus 22. We've got uh, two-on-one lock fights with Tom taking UNC, Chip and Danny, ACC boys, lining up with Miami. Uh, Also, very same fight another round, Tom on Georgia minus 13, uh, Chip and Danny on Missouri plus 13 and a half. There's also a lock fight in Barton Chip. He's on USC. I've got UCLA. Lock Unity, Wake Forest, plus one and a half. Lock Agreements include the Navy Army under, the Virginia, Virginia Tech under, Illinois, plus 14 and a half, and Oklahoma, minus 13 and a half. Moneyline Sprinkles, Tom is on Virginia and Wake Forest. Ooh, that is a that is a Brooks Brothers double play uh, <laughs> with Virginia and Wake Forest. Uh, Barton is on Illinois, Minnesota, and Troy. All Hail Marys. Chips on Oregon State and Nevada. Let's go Beavs. And Danny is on Virginia and UCLA. All right, that's how, how we feeling? Terrible, because I got to go to Danny's favorite place as soon as we're done wrapping up here. <laughs> What's Danny's favorite place? The dentist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do it. Dentist plays. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Any Dennis plays? Oh, no, no, no Dennis plays. No Dennis plays. Ole Miss gets gets COVID and he's (laughs) like, I'm out. The dentist has actually been like in California golfing all week. Like that guy, like be a dentist. Like go to dental school, kids, because that's a sweet life. 
seems very, very sweet. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, sir.